This is the Mealtime Magic and Mayhem podcast. I'm Trisha Clark, your host, cooking coach, and kitchen mentor. We're here to talk about all things food, wine, travel, cocktails, and mealtime memories. So many memories are made around the table. We all know mealtime can be stressful, full of chaos and mayhem, but it's also the universal connector, a catalyst for communication and connection, and a time to create magic and memories. So many of our memories are tied to food, and I can't wait to share some of those stories with you here. I'm here to share ideas, inspiration, and stories to help you experience mealtime with a dash of magic and just a sprinkle of mayhem. You can expect new episodes weekly, including a mixture of interviews, personal stories, and some fun conversations about our adventures and misadventures in the kitchen and around the table. I hope you walk away feeling inspired to try something new in your kitchen or around your table to create more connection with your friends, family, and beyond. Thanks for being here. Hey there. Today we are with my biz bestie, Lynette Williams. She is an amazing social media marketing strategist. She's just amazing. And she's willing to dig in wherever you need it on social media marketing. She loves to make things easier and faster because if she believes that if your business isn't fun, you shouldn't be doing it. So we'll get into a little bit more of that later. But Lynette, welcome to the Mealtime and Magic podcast. I've been super excited to talk to you and record this episode. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So we thought it would be fun to really kind of do a hot seat coaching to give everyone an idea of really what I do and how these conversations go, because there's a lot of questions about what in the hell does a cooking coach and mealtime mentor do anyway? I think this will give some insight to how I think and how I break things down and really kind of uncover what's really blocking you from, you know, you said, I feel like I don't love cooking. I think it's interesting to use the words, I feel like. I don't love cooking. So it leaves some open to interpretation. Like I might, but I haven't quite figured it out yet, but I'm good at it. So that helps. So kind of sounds like a state of confusion. So I want to dig into that a little bit. I think that'll be super fun. But before we get started, I always love to ask a table topics question. And your question today is, if you could invite any person alive or deceased to have dinner with you, who would it be? And more importantly, why? Okay, well, I would have to say Elvis Presley, and I would say because a couple of reasons. One, I'm a huge fan, and I just would love to learn more about his music and all that stuff. But also, truthfully, because since this is a cooking podcast, I'm assuming I would be making dinner. And I know for a fact that he's a very simple Southern eater. So I feel like I could get away if I just stuck to his favorites of like peanut butter and banana sandwiches. I've got that like easy. Okay. (laughs) I love that. It's the first time I've gotten Elvis as the answer. That's hilarious. You and my husband could talk Elvis all day long. Even bought an Elvis. I don't think we have it anymore. But at one point we went to tour Graceland and Ken had to have the cookbook of all of Elvis's favorites. Did we ever make the PB and J or the butter, banana and bacon sandwich? No, we did not. We never cooked anything out of it. But you had it and that was important. But I get it. What would you ask him? What would I ask him? Oh my gosh. Yeah. What would you want to talk about? I would want to talk about his music. Like I would want to talk about what inspired him, right? Through the decades when he first started, what would he say his inspiration was? And then later in life, as he became more famous and really had the reach and that what we all want as business owners is the impact, right? Because of how many people we can influence. Like what was his motivation at that point with lyrics and songwriting? And how did he see his purpose as an entertainer? 
that kind of stuff. I love that. It's interesting because I know that purpose is near and dear to your heart and a huge part of your business. And you acknowledge and maybe even talked about like the different levels that you get to and the different inspiration and how there's all these different phases of our business, much like there is in life. And the way we see things and do things changes. And his career did change so much throughout the years. That's a great answer. So to tell people a little bit more about you before we dig in, you're a wife and mom and you're living your best life in Florida. Yes. But born in New Jersey? You've yeah. kind of been all over the place. Well, all over the East Coast, traveled that much, not as much as I would like, but yes. Yeah, so I was born and raised in New Jersey my whole life. I almost went to college in Florida, but I ended up in Georgia State instead in Atlanta. And that's where I met my husband. And he's from Florida. So it just worked out. Nice. Now we're here. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about your family. So how many are you feeding? How old are they? Tell me a little bit about your life to give me a sense of what you're dealing with on a daily basis. When it comes yeah, to your so family. I have three girls, 12, 11, and nine. My nine-year-old is by far the pickiest. If it's not the color brown, she's not eating it. And my other two pretty much eat whatever we put in front of them. They really are good. But I would say my middle one out of the three is the healthiest eater. She really okay. likes salad. And then my oldest pretty much will eat whatever. And But it's the third one that's, oof, she's rough. You said only eats things that are brown. Give me a flavor of what that looks like. I'm serious. Like brown gravy, fried chicken, chicken nuggets, French toast sticks. But I mean, we take her to the buffet and it's like white rice covered in brown gravy. So now the rice is brown, but it's gravy. (laughs) That will literally be all she eats. She's even picky about mac and cheese. I would be like, okay, I'm totally fine, but let's get the organic noodles and let me get you real cheese. No, no, no. She wants the craft. Like she wants the fake stuff. It hurts. It physically hurts. I can totally relate to that though. As I think back to my story and me as a kid, if it didn't come out of a box or a can or frozen, I wouldn't eat it. And I realize now my mom was a great cook. I wouldn't eat hardly anything that she prepared. So I say that there is hope because now I'm this huge foodie and I love all the fruits and vegetables. So there is hope, but it could take her a while to get there because I would have told you the same thing. I want the Kraft mac and cheese. It's familiar. I know I like it. There's something about that familiarity that just makes me think about a whole nother side of this thing to analyze when it comes to picky eaters. That's one of my favorite topics. I think you caught my video in the Facebook group about picky eaters and kind of how we can reframe the way we think about their experience. And I'm planning a whole episode on that with somebody who's going to come on and talk about that, which I think is going to be super fun. But there are so many ways to approach that and really understand what's going on with your picky eater. And I'm trying not to go too far down the rabbit hole, but will she try the vegetables that you put in front of her? No, no. If it's not brown, it's not gravy. It's not the right doodle and that fake cheese. It's so disgusting. And I'm hung up on the fake cheese. (laughs) You try so hard. I am. (laughs) Oh yeah. It's rough. She's just so adamant about what she wants and how she wants it, which I know she gets from me, but also I know that you are into human design. So I want to make a note for you that she is my one and only manifesting generator. My other two are generators like me and she's the one that. Okay. This is interesting. So I'm a manifesting generator. 
And I will tell you, you don't tell me what to do and how to do things. I will figure it out on my own. That's her. And I will historically have tried to conform and it's just so difficult for me. But there are similarities there though. As you look at generators and manifesting generators, and for any of you who are not in the loop on human design, you can find your profile at jovianarchive.com or myhumandesign.com. You can pull a free chart and kind of start to dig into this. But it really is just kind of a way that I use to help me understand how my clients tick, what makes them, what gets them excited, how they operate. So just that I can provide better guidance, quite honestly. But the one thing I'll Mm -hmm. say about generators and manifesting generators is that gut, that sacral response is so important. And it really, that applies to food as well. And so it's a yes or no, and we can get into this some more, but as you're talking about meal planning and creating these things, kind of talk to me about what's gotten in the way of meal planning and that keep you from cooking. And I think that's going to take us down this path into how we can lean into that sacral response, which could be driving a lot of your food choices, what's driving you, but as well as how your nine-year-old is reacting as well, because the sacral reacts to yes or no, very black and white binary responses. It doesn't understand nuance and choice. It understands yes or no, or meh, right? It's a very guttural. And so meal planning can be very different for us that have that, because if you get too strict with it, all of a sudden you're like, but that doesn't sound good to me today. I don't want that right now, right? And so I don't know if that's played a part in what you've dealt with, but talk to me a little bit about what you've tried in meal planning, what's worked and what hasn't, and what you feel like the solution is that you're looking for, I guess. Oh, gosh, I don't know that you're going to like this answer at all, because I'm not a meal planner in the slightest bit. I mean, like you said, we try and it's nine times out of 10, don't even end up making that thing or doing it in that way. We have the basics, right? Like we have the meats. And just whatever we feel like in the moment, we're going to make. So we have it, but there's no plan ahead of that day. It's just like, okay, we have chicken. What are we going to make? Or we have beef. What are we going to make? It's really not. I mean, my husband tries because he's the one that does the grocery shopping. So he'll plan out the meals in his head, right? As far as dinners. And then we have the fruits and the vegetables and the sandwich meats and all that for lunches and whatnot. Again, even with that, it's then for yourself get whatever you want. That's just really how we are. And I think it has some to do with just our busy lifestyle. We are very much on the go all of the time. So even Mm -hmm. though we eat every meal together, it might be at a restaurant. It might be in the car. It might be at the ball field. It might be some, right. But we're always together. Yeah. In my opinion, meal planning should never be like, this is what I'm having for breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. And now this could be the manifesting generator me, but that is way too much structure and way too much detail for somebody who's a really moody eater. Now, for somebody who's more of a blueprint and needs that structure, then kudos. It's all about finding what works, right? Is there something that you'd like to see different or change? Or are you really layering these other expectations or shoulds and coulds on yourself of what it's supposed to be? Yeah, I mean, probably, right? It feels more like that. My life is different than even how I was raised, which was a little bit more traditional. We were home. We were around the table every night. It was a home-cooked meal, but I'm just very free and whatever. That's kind of how my girls are too. And that's why our life is so, we're just busy and always doing things, right? 
every day is something different. So there's a part of me that feels like maybe it's wrong because it's different, but really this is what works for us. So you found what works for you. Yeah. I mean, this really does work for us in terms of, I have it so easy. My husband does the grocery shopping and if he feels like cooking, he'll cook. (laughs) And if he doesn't, guess what? We'll go out to eat. Like I'm the worst. The problem is me. I am the problem, Trisha. Thank you so much for bringing me on your podcast in front of this live audience here to completely throw myself under the bus. I am the problem. We talked about that in the beginning with the interview questions before this even started. What's your hesitation? What's the deal? What is it? So for me, I think it's really just that I want to be my own person and I don't want to conform. Like you were saying, I don't want to conform. And my mom was very traditional. Like I think she conformed mm. and I think she kind of raised us to have that same mentality of like, this is just what you do. And even though there was so much positive in it, that now looking back as a mom, I can look back and see how great it was that she was home every day. And I always had snacks when I got home from school and it was awesome to have my mom there and she cooked dinner every night and it was amazing, like the best food ever. So, I mean, so many blessings and so many good things. And yet I was just in my funk of like, no, I don't, maybe this is not for me. Maybe I don't want to do this and I shouldn't have to do this and I shouldn't have to learn how to cook. So really I just resisted, even though she tried to teach me, I resisted so much doing it with her. And maybe now I kind of feel bad about that as an adult, kind of wish I just not want anything to do with it because there was a lot of positives that came from it. And then now with my kids, I'm definitely, I want them to be independent and take care of themselves so that I know, hey, they're good, right? Like they can clean up after themselves. They can wash themselves. They can wash clothes. (laughs) They can cook without setting the house on fire. Yeah, all of that. But I'm so not traditional. I'm so not the mom that's in front of the stove making dinner and like wanting to teach them how to do like, that's just not me. You don't have to be unless somebody told you you had to be right. right? That's how it felt. I guess growing up, it felt almost like, I guess if that's where I spent my time, then I was sort of accepting that that was going to be my future that has Mm -hmm. become my future, which is really funny. But I felt (laughs) like I consciously made that decision in college of just like, okay, what do I really want? I met my husband. I fell in love. I decided I wanted a family. I decided I don't want to continue and go to law school and become a lawyer. And it just was not me. Right. So like you were saying about how I feel very strongly about purpose, it definitely is just something inside of me that it's like, do what you feel passionately about doing. Right. Yes. Being true to yourself. That's the most important thing. And I feel like for so long, because I had such traditional upbringing, there's a lot mm-hmm. of conditioning that went beyond personal desire and was very much just, this is how it's done. This is how it's always been done. Yeah. And I feel like as women, we really do put all those coulds, shoulds, expectations that we learn just by watching. It's not even what's told to us, right? We just absorb it. And then we're like, oh, this is what life is supposed to be like. Well, you're a generator and that's not what your life is supposed to be like quite honestly, like you're going to have a tendency to get bored with meal planning, with cooking, anything that doesn't light you up is going to drain your battery, right? You're like the energizer bunny 
And so I'm curious, do you get to the end of the day and feel like you've accomplished a lot, but still feel like something is missing? You just haven't spent all the battery? Sometimes yes. And sometimes no. And it really depends on how purposeful I've been that day. Right. And how intentional have Mm -hmm. I been that day? If I just am not intentional, I will do a bunch of things and still feel unaccomplished. But if I'm intentional, I can just do one or two things and feel fulfilled. So it really comes down to me checking in with myself. And like you said, doing what actually lights me up, doing what I actually feel like doing. The second something becomes you have to, you can guarantee Mm -hmm. that my desire to want to is going to go way down, way, way, way down. So do you want to cook more home-cooked meals for your family than you do now? Genuinely want to. Forget meal planning and structure and all of that. Yes. I think if it was just me and it wasn't bringing up all of my childhood and all of this stuff and like, I guess somehow for some reason, cooking doesn't feel like it's about me at all. Right. It's like it's about everybody else. I think that's what makes it feel very draining to me. Like when my niece specifically asked me to make her chili for her graduation, oh, I just stopped everything and I made it. And it was like, I took a lot of joy and pleasure in doing that, right? Because it lit you up. You were doing it for a reason. Somebody asked you specifically for it. You mentioned you love Italian food. Are there foods that light the idea of preparing them does light you up when you see them? Or does it just depend on the day and kind of what your gut's in the mood for? Well, this goes back to so much mindset here and I love it. Clearly, this is an area that I have not, I mean, I feel like Snow White in the Seven Dwarfs cabin, like cobwebs and stuff everywhere, but I'm like, okay, we've got to clean this up here. I know. And I can see you get antsy a little bit as you talk about it. I'm making it a little uncomfortable here. But it's good. It's good to exercise these muscles. And a lot of my focus is on business and other things, not cooking. So this is good. Are there foods that you do get lit up about preparing, eating? Right, which is how I got the idealist track. Okay, so me, when I first decided after we had kids, finally got to a point where it was like, all right, right, I should really learn how to cook. Oh yeah, I see there's that should again. During the early years of our marriage, we were pretty much eating out of boxes not even hamburger helper because we couldn't afford hamburger meat. Our meat was meat sauce, right? So we were literally getting our meat. It makes me almost like want to throw up. Who knows what that meat is in that can now? But anyway, that's all we could afford was meat flavored sauce and whatever. So we weren't even having real hamburger meat. So that to me was not really cooking, right? It was like, I'm taking chicken out of a can and throwing it on some noodles. That's not cooking to me. But then I was like, all right, I want to learn how to cook. I have kids now. I'm going to learn how to cook. But in my mind, I go all the way back to Ma Ingalls and I am like trying to make butter from scratch. I am trying to make pudding from scratch. I am trying to do the hardest things ever. I would bake cakes from scratch. I would bake cupcakes. Everything had to be from scratch and perfect. Perfect. Yeah, that's a recipe. It was horrible. I cried. I cried over pudding. I didn't have a Dutch oven and I didn't realize it's so important. Make one. It was horrible. And I cried over that stupid thing. Really felt like a failure at cooking. Oh, and then one birthday, I made cupcakes and ran out of sugar. So some of my cupcakes didn't have sugar in them. (laughs) That's amazing. 
So again, we go back to, you decided I should do this thing. I have to do this thing. And here's the only way I've ever seen it done. So it must be the only way. And that's what I'm going to do. But now I failed at it. So I suck. And so I'm just going to stop. Exactly. Because the standard was perfection. The downside is that my mom can hardly go out and enjoy a cooked meal because it's not as good as she can make it herself. And yeah, I mean, I can kind of relate to that, but our stories are very similar where that's concerned. I taught myself to cook from Food Network and I thought that's how you had to cook. And I couldn't understand why my family didn't enjoy the food. That was me. didn't want to talk to me when I sat down. I don't know, maybe it's because I'm this stressed out, cracked out, hair, scary mess who's like throwing food on the table. I don't know, maybe it's me. And then that was me with the, you know, like getting those box meals. I tried that and it was just like so fancy for the kids. They were just like, I'm like, what do you mean? You don't want my stuffed chicken breast wrapped in bacon. And they're like, not, like they're three and four. It was awful. It was awful. My sister-in-law was like, girl, really? You're going to feed these kids? I'm like, don't you have hot dogs? Don't you have? But I slammed over the stuffed chicken breast. So that exact scenario is why I started my business. That exact scenario is really what has led to this because there are easier ways. And I want to talk about a few ideas that I think could help you lean into that free spirit side of yours a little bit, but to allow you the space energy or provide the space and energy for you to tap into, forget the thought that cooking isn't for you. First and foremost, you have to take care of yourself to take care of others, right? We all know this. You tell me all the time to fill my own cup, right? And to have fun with it. So you've got to find in that cooking realm, whatever it is, the thing that brings you the joy, the thing that lights you up, the recipe you're excited about making. And the truth is, because you're a generator and you've got that sacral response, you might be super excited about it today and buy all the stuff. And tomorrow you may not want to cook it. That's okay. You found something that lit you up and eventually you're going to come back to that and you're going to want to, but follow that. I found this recipe and it lit me up, right? But the other thing I'd say for you is I love that you already are in this habit of like, here's what we keep around the house. Here's the meats and the vegetables and the fruits, right? So that we can just cook whatever. But the other thing I would add to that is I think you and I could work together to create a list of 30 recipes that you're like, God, that sounds really good right? And you have that well-stocked pantry to where you can look at a list because part of you, your cycle needs to see the list and go, no, yes, no, no, yes. And if you don't have the list and you have all of those supplies in front of you, you're sitting there going, okay, I have all the things, but I don't even know where the hell to start and what to cook. Yeah. I need the inspiration first. You need the inspiration. And I think like a list of 30 recipes. So when I meal plan, You might see me post my meal plans and it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. That's just a guideline because it makes sense in people's brains. What that means for me is on Monday, I can roll in the kitchen and go, "Mm, no, yes, no, yes. That one, that's what we're having tonight. Or, you know what? I don't really feel like having that tonight. Let's change that up. Instead of Asian stir fry, let's use that chicken, those vegetables, and let's throw some Mexican seasoning in it instead because that sounds good to me. Yeah. You have the flexibility to do that, but I think the piece that you're missing is that visual list of, oh, that does sound good because your gut's not going to understand what do I want for dinner? Do I want Italian or Mexican? You're not wired that way. Interesting. That makes a lot of sense. And it gives meal planning a totally different connotation than what we think of as like, oh my God, if you're going to make me sit down and meal plan, I'm just going to fall over, not doing it. 
right? A meal plan is simply your guideline, your plan. If you're busy all week, then by all means say this week's nuts and we're going to eat out four times this week. I'm going to cook once and one night y'all are on your own to figure it out with whatever's in the kitchen. That is a meal plan. I like it. It is a meal plan, right? That makes me happy because that usually ends up happening. <laughs> See, look, your total body language just changed. Oh, because I don't feel guilty. Kind of like I mean, my kids are still fed, right? My kids are still fed. It's fine. It's fine. And here's the thing. When it comes to that nine-year-old, I want you to try putting three bites on her plate. Three-bite rule. That's what we call it. And we make it a game. We gamify everything around here because everything's supposed to be fun. Food is supposed to be fun. And when you sit down at the table and food is fun, conversation starts, period. But what if you tried a new vegetable that none of you had ever had before and you had a little competition to see who would eat three bites first? Oh, I like that. And they do bites. We have done that before where we record them trying new foods. It just, it's just one bite and it's usually almost always something horrible. But yeah, so but maybe three bites. And here's why the first bite is a bite that you're like, I'm not gonna like this. Think about it. Every time you try a new food that you deem as weird, what's your first thought when you go to take that first bite? It's gonna taste yucky. Right. And what about the second? It's gonna be influenced by the first one. If it wasn't that bad, then I'll think that the second time. Like, oh, it wasn't yeah. that bad. And by the third time, it might taste palatable, it might be okay. Right. You might be like, oh, okay. I'm over myself. I like yeah. it. Yeah. If it really is good by the third bite, I'll know. Like I'm eating. Yes. Your Brussels sprouts. Like way. the first time I ate Brussels sprouts, I was like, mm. then I was like, oh, this isn't so bad. And then I was like, I really like them. And now I know I like them. Right. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Have you found this helpful? Yes. Very. So if you were going to take two action steps from this conversation that we've had, because I mean, we could talk for hours, but we could sit here and do this for hours. If anybody's interested, this is what I do in my program. We have, this is like a mini version of the onboarding call where we dig deep and then we set your goals in my Discover Your Secret Sauce program. There's a link to that in the show notes. If you have any questions, feel free to DM me, but this is just a hint, but in every call and what are two action steps you would take? So what I'm definitely going to do is sit down with my husband and come up with that list of meals that we already know that we really like and just be more intentional and purposeful with having those things on hand. We're already doing that. So it's just taking it to the next level. And then I really liked what you were saying about the, when we're thinking about what we want to eat, because he asks us that all the time because we eat out a lot. So it's always like, okay, well, what do we want? Italian or Mexican? And we, all of us, me and the girls, we're all just like, we don't know. And he gets so mad. So if you have a suggestion for that, that would really help us a lot because that's like an almost everyday thing for us. Yeah. Encourage him to ask you guys yes or no questions. Okay. Is it right? Like if I said, does Italian sound good to you right now? What's your first response? Yeah, sure. But I'm not really hungry. So yeah. But for me, so my husband would be like, what do you want to eat? I'm like, I don't know. Anything's fine. Okay. Well, do you want to talk about it? No. Do you want five guys? No. Okay. So you do care what we have. Same. I do, but you haven't hit on what sounds good to me. So far you've listed things that don't. So like, yes, no. That's what we go through, but a lot because we eat out more than the average family. I'll admit that. I've already thrown myself under the bus. Yes, we do all the time, maybe less now because I'm working through this stuff because I do feel even already way more less of a have to or should. And I realized I was probably just putting that on myself. 
And I really liked what you said about food being fun. I can get down on that. So I could see it shifting even now, but we do that all the time. So that would be a big thing for us to figure out communication wise, how to get on the same page with what we're going to eat as a family. Because like I said, even though it's not the traditional, we're around the table at home eating, we eat all of our meals together as a family. That's amazing. I mean, I'll even say we don't do that. Now we do multiple times a week, but we've never been a all together sit down at a table family. That's just never been our thing. It's never been the way we operate it. Again, you figure out what works for you as you have busy schedules and kids and different activities and you just make it work. The big thing we really have to do as women and moms or parents in general, it's not just women, but is to really ease up on ourselves a little bit. Yes. Ease up the expectations you're feeling from you. It's really about when you start feeling those things, even when you start creating that meal plan, Lynette, loose, here's my plan in air quotes for those who are listening and can't see me. That plan is if those feelings start coming up about this feels constricting or this doesn't meet expectations, really ask yourself, where are these expectations coming from? Are they being put on me or am I putting it on myself? And then just take one tiny step. Definitely. This conversation was a real eye-opener for me. And I hope that everybody listening can take something from my story because it really did take you asking me specific questions to feel specific things and make those connections, right? So we can all use that person in our life that is going to open that door and make us look at things that maybe we haven't looked at before. And it's so true what you said, questioning where are these feelings coming from? I need to do that around cooking and everything clearly because I haven't (laughs) spent any time doing that. I've spent more time crying about my thin pudding that just stayed liquid. So upset. I might actually tackle that again, but first I need to get a double Dutch oven thing. So on the food front, I'm going to leave with one last thought as we talk about this angsty mom sitting down to dinner. And then I really want to find out what's going on with you and your business and tell people what you do and how you can help them and where they can find you. The last thought on the food side I want to leave you with is if you are approaching the table with that angsty, frustrated, remember that energy is contagious, y'all. Energy is contagious. Ask yourself what energy you're bringing to the table. And is that the energy that you want to bring? And if it's not, connect with me and I'll help you work through it. I offer free 30 minute dish with Trish calls for that very reason. And then we can figure out if it's something, if you even want to work with me. So Lynette, tell us about you and your business and what you have coming up before we sign off today. Okay, sure. So I'm the founder of Holistic Business Company and I help women entrepreneurs utilize social media to expand their visibility, make more money, get more clients, basically help you develop your confidence and show up on social media and have fun with it. I know a lot of women who would love to be able to use social media for their business, but they just don't know how they would balance it or how could they get around to not hating it? Those types of things. That's what I love working with. Basically what Trish does with food is what I do with social media. I figure out what is keeping you from putting yourself out there, whether it's video, whether it's a podcast like this, whether it's emails, but yeah, just connecting with who you are, your message, what's your purpose for your business, right? That's how Trisha and I got connected. And it's just been awesome to watch her and see her really just develop and 
become more enthusiastic and more excited and just more herself, right? Inside of her business. And it's beautiful to watch, but also I see how excited it makes her, right? And how fulfilled she is. So that's why I do what I do, because I believe in you. I believe in the passion that you have for your business and why you're doing what you're doing. And we all need somebody who's on our side, right? That will help us keep going, even when we feel like we don't always have what it takes, right? So if you'd like more information, you want to connect with me, you can find me at Holistic Business Company. That's on Facebook, Instagram. My website is the same. I'm really easy to find. I have a free resource for you. It's a content generator spreadsheet. It's going to help you define your message and help you understand how to communicate it. And from there, really the sky's the limit because then you get to be creative and you get to share your story and who you are and why you do it with the world. I love that. So your content generator has been, y'all, it is so simple and easy to use and really breaks down the thought process of any offer or the overarching view of your business. I found it so it and Lynette's input and so helpful in finding my voice. And like she said, just getting more comfortable because it is vulnerable to put yourself out there in these types of programs. And so I can't recommend her enough. She's been such a huge help in my business. I've been so excited for this conversation. I know we've had a few conversations here and there and I'm really glad that you found today helpful and that we could give the listeners an idea of not only the things that can hold you back, some solutions, but also an idea of what I do in my programs. Thank you so much for being here. I just, I appreciate you so very much. Yeah, of course. Same. I'm so thankful and honored that you asked me to be on here. I hope that me sharing my story and being real with you guys is going to help you too. It's going to help you reach out to Trisha get the help that you need from her. The one thing that I can't stop thinking about that I hope you will take away from this is to really question those thoughts and beliefs you have around cooking. If you have a lot of resistance, like I do, and just sit with that and work through that because you might find like I did that there's a beautiful ending on the other side of it. You know, you just got to walk through that forest a little bit, but you'll get there. My gosh, you just gave me goosebumps and just completely made my day. We will talk again soon. All the links to Lynette and my program and anything we talked about in here will be dropped in the show notes and I'll see you guys. We'll talk to you guys in the next episode. Thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please go hit that follow button, subscribe, leave us a review. And if you're ready to change what mealtime looks like for you, breaking that cycle of chaos and having more fun in the kitchen, build some confidence and discover your love of cooking, Schedule your free Dish with Trish call at the link in the show notes. We'll chat a few minutes and you'll walk away with personalized strategies to take your mealtime routine from tired to inspired. See you next time.